goodness. If you weren't awake before that, you're awake now. Thank you. Oh, man. I'm a big Beastie Boys fan. Any Beastie Boys fans in here? Okay, nice. Uh, the rest of you, yeah, I feel like there's two crews in here. One, you know every word of that song and you were whispering along. And the other one was just like, that was indiscernible noise for two minutes. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, some of you are like, why in the world did you just play a Beastie Boys song at church? I'll tell you exactly why we played a Beastie Boys song at church, but I'm going to tell you later. I'm not going to tell you now, all right? Uh, today is a very uh, special day at Flatirons. It's a very exciting day at Flatirons because not only are we in the middle of this man series, which is always really important to us at our, our church, but also this weekend is baptism weekend, which is always a massive party here. Yeah. I got to share you with this, uh, share this with you because it's too cool. So there's actually, uh, there's a group of people from Burlington, Colorado that, that, oh, this is Burlington. All right, so Burlington, Colorado, back in 2014, I think it was 14 maybe, is that right? Uh, that they started meeting in a living room to watch Flatirons online, and that's like what they did for church. It eventually grew. They took over a movie theater, and so our friends from Burlington actually drove from Burlington just to party with us on baptism weekend. So give it up for our friends at Burlington. I'm glad you guys are here. All right, today, today's going to be a blast. It's a busy day. We got a lot to do and a lot, a lot to cover. And so I want to jump right into what we're talking about. But, but before I do that, I'm going to pray because honestly, if we're going to get from Beastie Boys to baptisms, I need God's help. So, <laughs> so let's pray. Uh, God, thank you so much for these people, and thank you for this room and all of our different campuses and our people watching online and our brothers down at, at Lyman. God, I just, I'm thankful for wh whoever showed up. I feel like they're here on purpose, like you wanted them here today on purpose and, and for a purpose. So uh, I'm thankful for the people here right now watching online. And, and then God, I'm, I'm thankful for this message that you, that you have for us today. And, you know, I, I, I studied it and I wrote it so I know it's coming up and I know that parts of it are really heavy but then other parts of it are really freeing and then parts of it are challenging but then parts of it are really encouraging and I'm, I'm just excited what you wanna teach us today and then I'm really excited. We already got to experience it before this and we're gonna get to experience it again. Like God, I'm, a, I'm, I'm expecting amazing things to happen as people come to dedicate their heart, soul, mind and strength to you by being baptized today. So I'm just, I'm thankful in advance for all of the baptisms that we're gonna get to witness today and be a part of and celebrate today. So all, all the glory for that goes to you. We're just happy to be around for it. So we love you very much, and we pray this in your son's name, Jesus Christ, amen. All right, you guys ready to get going? Okay, cool. So hey, so today uh, in this man series, we're talking about leaving behind a legacy. That's what we're gonna talk about today. Like, as men, what is the legacy that we're leaving behind? Okay, and thinking about legacy is gonna require us as men to like think ahead and kind of take a long view of our lives, which honestly like is typically not our strong suit as men, all right? Like I know there's some of you out there that you've got a five-year plan for your life and a 10-year and a 20-year plan and you love talking about how you're meeting all your goals and your plan's going perfectly and it annoys the rest of us or at least it annoys me. And so I know that there's some people out there like that, but I think most men typically operate like me, which is to say like, we're not really thinking too far ahead here, right? I don't have a five-year plan. 
I don't have a plan for what I'm gonna do for lunch after this. <laughs> it's a total mystery to me. I'll figure it out when I get there. But today, to talk about legacy, we have to think way far ahead and take a long view of our lives. As men, what kind of legacy are we leaving behind? Just to make sure we're all on the same page at the very beginning of this thing, I wanna kind of clear up what I mean when I use the word legacy. Because for a lot of us, when we hear the idea of leaving behind a legacy, it freaks some of us out. Others of us, we think it's impossible. And then others of us, it's like the idea just never really occurred to us. And that's because we usually take the idea of someone who left behind a legacy and we confuse it with someone who was legendary. What I mean by that is we hear the concept of leaving behind a legacy and we assume that means we have to achieve greatness and exceed expectations and make a name for ourselves here on planet Earth. We think of people like Muhammad Ali, right? His nickname was the greatest. We think of Wayne Gretzky. His nickname was the great one. We think of presidents and explorers and the greatest coaches of all time. Basically, when we think legacy, we think the kind of person that society makes a statue of. Right? You think of the faces on Mount Rushmore and the Lincoln Memorial and the Vince Lombardi Trophy. And so leaving a legacy freaks some of us out because honestly, we know no one's making statues of us. Right? No one's going to make a statue of you. No one's going to make a statue of me. Right? If you wanted to make a Ben Foote statue, you're going to have to find one short and skinny slab of marble <laughs> to make that bad boy. Uh, no one's making statues of us. Right? So we get freaked out by this idea of leaving behind a legacy because we assume it means that we have to achieve greatness in the eyes of the world, but that's not what legacy is all about, all right? You got legacy confused with legendary. You got legacy confused with making a name for yourself and achieving greatness, and that's no good because, frankly, God couldn't care less about you achieving greatness in the eyes of the world and making a name for yourself. Typically, whenever we distort the idea of legacy and turn it into legendary, that's usually because of the backwards way of viewing our life that we have been talking about all throughout this series. It's usually the result of approaching life by looking in first and then out and then up very last. Here's what I mean by that. So we think of legendary. We're looking in first. What kind of great things could I do and what do I need to do to make that happen? Right, so we think, like, what kind of great thing could I be a part of? For example, it's like, well, I want to be rich. You know, I want to be like the richest person in my family. So what do I need to do to make that happen? I've got to work my butt off. We're looking in first. And then we look out. Whose help do I need? And who is standing in the way of my greatness? Like, who's going to help me achieve my goals? And then whose back do I need to climb over to climb up the ladder at my company? And then if we look up at all, we do it very last. It's like, God, please bless the plans that I already made without you right? Please make me great. Thanks. Amen. That's how you become a legend. But we're not talking about becoming legendary because God doesn't care. Instead, we're talking about leaving behind a good legacy. And a legacy is completely different from being legendary. Let me explain that. So the word legacy was originally created, and it's all about inheritance, all right? So a legacy is an amount of money or property that is left to someone in your will, right? So great-grandma died, and she left me a small legacy. That's what the word originally meant. And then our culture came in and kind of adopted the term and expanded the meaning past just money and property. And so now in our cultural lingo, a legacy is just a piece of yourself that other people carry with them, All right? Legacy is not legend. 
It's not greatness and fame and power and making a name for yourself. Instead, legacy is simply the parts of your life that other people are going to carry around with them. And so the best way for you and me to be thinking through this idea of of legacy is to ask ourselves a question and then we have to answer it honestly. And the question we gotta ask ourselves is when the people closest to me look back on my life, what are they gonna remember and what are they gonna repeat? And this is where we get a little heavy because the truth is you will be remembered and people are going to carry a piece of you around with them and your people, like their tendency is going to be to repeat what they've learned from you. So in other words, like you are leaving behind a legacy. It's impossible not to. And so the question is really, are you leaving behind a good legacy or a bad legacy for your people? Today, I'm gonna talk a lot about fathers, and I'm gonna talk to fathers, right? Of course, this legacy concept also applies to mothers. It also applies to anyone who's never gonna have kids in their entire lives, because remember, it's impossible for you, no matter who you are, to not leave a legacy. But at the same time, this is a man series. And also, whether you like it or not, some of the most powerful identity-shaping legacies are handed down to us from our fathers, Here's what I want you to do right now. I want you to actually think through this question and think for, through it for yourself. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think of the legacy passed down to you from your father. All right, when you look back on your father's life, what do you remember, whether he's alive or dead? Like, what, what stands out about this man? And what are the pieces of your father that you're still carrying around with you today? And, and what did you learn from your father that you're still repeating? For, for some of us, our fathers left us with a really good legacy. Right, so I, I, I'm assuming there's people in this room that we could look at our dads and we go, well, you know what? Like, I have a desire to be a faithful husband and a strong dad because that's who my dad was. Or, or my father taught me how to be an honest businessman and, and a good, strong leader. Or my dad taught me how to have grace in the midst of failure or joy in the midst of hardship. Or, or for the women in the room, maybe we have a high view of ourselves, like a dignified sense of self-worth because our fathers cherished us really well. For some of us, when we, when we think back on our father's life, like we remember great things. And so we're thankful for the parts of our fathers that we carry around with us. We're thankful for the legacy that he left us. But then for others of us, our dads left us with a bad legacy. And the parts of our father that we're carrying around and, and the stuff that we learned from him that we're repeating, it's destructive because dad was just a drunk, right? And now it feels like we can't do anything in moderation, whether it's sex or anxiety or our obsessive ten tendencies or booze, like we don't know how to stop because dad never taught us how to stop doing something destructive. For others of us, the, the piece of our father that we're carrying around with us to this day is, is his rage, right? We inherited his short fuse and his big bang. And so when we get angry, we destroy and we discourage and we tear down and tear apart the people we love the most and we wanna stop. We just don't know how to. For others of us, dad never stuck around, right? And so it's like we barely remember him. Some of us have never even met him at all. And so the legacy that he left behind that we're carrying around is all of the abandonment and commitment issues that we can't seem to break free from. I want you to think through it and answer it honestly. Like what is the legacy that your father passed down to you and left behind for you?
And now for the fathers in the room, it's time to ask a terrifying question, right? But we just, we have to ask it and we have to weigh through it. The terrifying question is, what is the legacy that you and I are currently leaving behind for our kids? Because the, the truth is that like every interaction that we're having with our kids or not having with our kids and every word that it is spoken or left unspoken is leaving behind a legacy for our kids. And so we have got to ask ourselves, when the people closest to me look back at my life, what are they going to remember and what are they going to repeat? I want to turn to the Bible right now, and, and I actually want to look at a couple moments in the history of God's people, the Israelites, because I think these moments are going to help teach us what God's version of building a good legacy could look like, All right? But to look at these moments, I first have to kind of rewind, give us a little bit of background and a little bit of setup so that we can understand what's going on. I think most of us are, are at least a little familiar with the whole Moses story and the Exodus story. In case you're not, here's like a lightning fast version of that story, all right? God chooses a man named Moses to set his people, the Israelites, free from slavery in Egypt so that God can lead his people to the promised land, right? The promised land is exactly that. It is a nice chunk of fertile land that God promised to give to his people. So he picks Moses to do this. Moses goes to Egypt. He talks to Pharaoh. Moses is all like, let my people go. And Pharaoh's like, nah. And then there's a bunch of plagues. And then Pharaoh finally gives in. Moses leads God's people away from Egypt. They hit a roadblock, the Red Sea, but God splits the Red Sea in half. The entire Israelite nation walks through on dry ground. It closes up behind them. And the Israelites are finally free from Egypt. But then, before they get to the promised land, They spend 40 years wandering around the wilderness, wandering around the desert. And over the course of this 40 years, the Israelites prove to be pretty stubborn, pretty disobedient. Moses gets really frustrated. He does some dumb stuff. He makes some mistakes. And so there's this one time where God has to sit Moses down and go, hey, Moses, you are not going to lead my people into the promised land anymore. Instead, there's this guy named Joshua. Joshua's gonna be your successor. He's gonna take over as the leader, and Joshua is going to bring my people into the promised land. It's a huge bummer for Moses. But at the same time, Moses is, for the most part, a great dude. He trusts God, and he obeys him. And now we're at the first moment in the history of the Israelites that I wanna look at. It's when all of the Israelites are still in the wilderness, and Moses is transferring his leadership over to Joshua, and he does that in a farewell speech. And in the middle of this speech, we're gonna start seeing a theme of what it looks like to leave behind a good legacy according to God. Because here's the deal with Moses. Moses was a part of amazing things, right? He spoke to God out of a, out of a burning bush. He, he set an entire nation free from Egypt. He called down plagues on Egypt. The Red Sea was split in half. He came down the mountain with the Ten Commandments. Like, Moses was a part of, of what I would say are legendary things. And so if Moses wanted to, he could have taken this farewell speech and made it all about him. He could have talked himself up, first of all, right? He could have been like, all right, time for a farewell speech. Hey, Remember when I called down that plague of frogs onto Egypt? That was dope and actually kind of hilarious, and I did that, right? Or he goes, remember when the Red Sea split in half and we walked through on dry ground? That was legendary. I did that. Right? He also could have used this farewell speech to, to like 
to just wallow in self-pity and bitterly complain, right? He could have been like, after all that I've done for God and after all that I've done for you stubborn people, I don't even get to go into the promised land with you and that's a raw deal because we follow a petty God who doesn't appreciate strong leaders like me. Moses could have made this moment all about himself, but he didn't. Instead, he makes this moment all about God. Look at this, this is Deuteronomy 31, and here's what happened. It says, Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all of Israel, so in front of tens of thousands of people, he's talking to Joshua, and he says, hey, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Why? Because it's the Lord himself who goes before you, and he's gonna be with you, and he's not gonna leave you, and he's not gonna forsake you, so you don't need to be afraid, and you don't need to be discouraged. In front of everyone, a crowd like 10 times the size of this, in his farewell speech, Moses decides to leave behind a good legacy. And he does that by looking up first and then out and then in last. Here's what I mean by that. Moses looks up and he asks himself, what makes God great about like this moment specifically? And Moses goes, well, the fact that he goes before us and he never forsakes us. Then Moses looks out and he asks himself, all right, who are my people? His answer is the Israelites in Joshua, so I've gotta gather them around right now. And then Moses looks in last and he goes, how can I leverage this moment to point my people to the greatness of God? And his answer is, well, I can remind them that God's gonna lead them through Joshua just like he led them through me. Moses does not use this moment to make a name for himself. He uses this moment to make a name for his God. And he asks himself, what makes God great? Who are my people? And how can I leverage this moment to point my people to the greatness of God? That is legacy building, according to God. And that's moment number one. Moment number two, you fast forward a little bit in the history of the Israelites. Moses is out of the picture now. Joshua is the leader. He's leading the Israelites. And they're about to cross into the promised land. But they're currently separated from the promised land by the Jordan River. Right, the Bible says that the Jordan River is in flood stage at this time of the year, which means that the river is swollen and the current is intense. And so the Israelites are nervous right, because they're so close to the promised land that they have been dreaming about for 40 years. They can see it. It's just it's right across the river. But at the same time, they have lots of people, some of them elderly, some of them infants. They have lots of stuff. And so somehow they have to get all of these people and all of this stuff across the raging Jordan River. It's a critical moment in the life of the Israelites. And so what does Joshua do? Well, he took a cue from Moses and he gathers his people around the evening before they're supposed to cross the river. And he says this, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord's gonna do amazing things among you. And I really, really want us to understand this verse and hold on to it, because we're gonna come back to it. Uh, the word consecrate, it's a really weird word that you don't use every day. And if you do use it every day, you're just one strange ranger, I guess. Uh, but so the word consecrate, what it means is simply this. It means to willingly dedicate your heart, soul, mind, and strength to God. And so Joshua says, consecrate yourselves. Willingly dedicate your heart, soul, mind, and strength to God. Why? Because tomorrow we are expecting God to show up and do amazing things for us. Okay? H hang on to that concept. We'll come back to it. 
Again, Joshua gathers his people, and he could have used this moment to make it all about himself. He could have talked himself up. You know, how are we gonna get across this river? And he's like, guys, we'll figure it out. I'm Joshua, <laughs> all right, we'll figure it out. He could have talked himself up. He could have wallowed in self-pity. Like, guys, I don't know how we're gonna get this across this river either. Like, I'm just as scared as you. He doesn't do any of that. Instead, he legacy builds. How do we build a legacy according to God? Again, it's up and then out and then in. Joshua asks himself, what makes God great about this moment? His answer is that, well, we can expect him to do amazing things tomorrow. Then he looks out, who are my people? Well, it's the Israelites, so I gotta gather them around. And then he looks in, how do I leverage this moment to point my people to the greatness of God? And Joshua answers that by going, well, I can tell them to consecrate themselves. Dedicate your heart, soul, mind, and strength to God because tomorrow we're expecting amazing things. Tomorrow rolls around, and what happens? Amazing things happen. And for the second time now in the Israelites' history, God splits a river in half, all right? There's these guys carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Their foot touches the water, and then the river splits in half. And for the second time, the entire nation of the Israelites passed through a river on dry ground. God kept his promise. He did amazing things. And then the Israelites now, they, they have this moment that had to have been just a trip, a total trip. Like, they're standing on the promised land. Finally, they have been dreaming of this and yearning for this for like over 40 years now. And in that moment, God asks Joshua to do something unique. He tells Joshua, he goes, get one man from all of the 12 tribes of Israel this man needs to go get a really big stone, like a big boulder, and you guys are gonna stack all 12 of these stones up over by the Jordan River. And then God explains why he wants them to do that. God says this, he goes, each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. These stones are going to symbolize something so that in the future, when your children ask you, hey, dad, what do these stones mean? You tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. You tell them that when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. God says these stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. What's happening is God is inviting not just Moses and not just Joshua, but now 12 other leaders to be a part of his legacy building. He looks at these 12 guys and he goes, here's how you can, be, can point your people to my greatness. Here's what you can do. You can memorialize this moment. I want you to build a symbol. And then in the future, when your kids ask you, dad, what does this symbol mean? You point them to me and my greatness. You tell them what happened here today. Now, what does all this ancient history of the Israelites have to do with us living in the 21st century? And what does it have to do with us trying to build good legacies for our people? Let me try to get there in a backwards way. Like I said, I love the Beastie Boys. We came back to it. I promised we would come back to it. <laughs> I love the Beastie Boys. Sabotage, the song that we played, hands down, my favorite Beastie Boys song. And so I asked the band if they could play that song today, not just because I think it's a fantastic song, and if you disagree, you're totally wrong, um, but I asked them to play that song because I literally wanted the word sabotage through a megaphone ringing in your ears before I got up here. And that's because we're talking about legacy, 
And we're asking ourselves the question, like when the people closest to me look back on my life, what are they gonna remember and what are they gonna repeat? And some of us, I would say probably a lot of us right now, have a stomachache when we think through that because we're worried that our people are not going to remember us well. And we are worried that we are leaving a bad legacy. And I wanna point out that no one can sabotage your legacy for you. No one. Yes, like we talked about at the beginning of this thing, some of us have inherited really bad legacies from our dads. But at the same time, you are not doomed to repeat the sins of your father. Your dad cannot sabotage the legacy that you are leaving for your kids because the truth is, the only person who can sabotage your legacy is you, dude. It's just you. If we leave our people with a bad legacy, we honestly have no one to blame but ourselves. It won't be sabotage. It will be self-sabotage. And so how do we stop self-sabotaging and how do we leave our people with a good legacy? And that's what these moments from, from the history of Israel are, give us a clue for because God is not telling you to be legendary. He's not. He's not saying get out there and achieve greatness and make a name for yourself in this sorry world. He's not telling you to be legends. He's also not telling you that you're doomed to pass down the legacy that you inherited from your father. Instead, God is inviting you to join into and pass down to your people his legacy. In these stories that we've looked at, Moses and, and Joshua and the leaders of the tribes of Israel, they weren't out to make a name for themselves. They also weren't out to wallow in self-pity every single time that life got hard. Both of those options would self-sabotage the legacy they wanted to leave behind. Instead, these men were strong and courageous, and they leveraged that strength and that courage to point not to themselves, but to consistently point their people to the greatness of God. And so to go back to our question, when the people closest to me look back on my life, what are they gonna remember and what are they gonna repeat? It's like, bro, whether you believe it yet or not and whether you like it or not, the answer to that question is supposed to be when the people closest to me look back on my life, they will remember the greatness of God. How do we become leaders like that? How do we become men like that? Well, we have to legacy build, just like Moses, just like Joshua, and just like the leaders of Israel did. We have to look up first and then out and then in. Like in every moment of your life, the good moments and the bad moments and even just the boring mundane moments, we're supposed to be asking ourselves, what makes God great about this moment specifically? And then who are my people? Like who do I lead and who looks to me and who should I gather around right now? And then how do I leverage this moment to point my people to the greatness of God? And I know that sounds intimidating at first, but I'm telling you, you don't need to be a pastor to do this and you don't need to be Moses or Joshua. You just need to be you, dude, and you need to be willing to lead your people. Again, I'm gonna speak to fathers right now. All right, so the rest of us, we, do, we have to do a little bit of math to figure out how this applies to us, but you're smart, and I know that you can do it. So I'm just gonna speak to fathers. So fathers, point your people, your, your spouse and your kids, point your people to the greatness of God. And no, I don't necessarily mean that you need to do a Bible study every single morning with them. What I mean is point towards God's greatness through the way that you act and through the way that you show up like, care for your people like Jesus cares for his people. 
Here's an example of what that could look like. And I promise you, I'm not talking at you right now. I'm, I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to you. But here's an example. Maybe when we get home from work, we should just get off our phones. Like, our fantasy football leagues can wait. The news will be there tomorrow morning. Don't worry, it'll be just as depressing as it is tonight. <laughs> All right? Social media is a waste of our time. Maybe when we get home from work, we just get off our phone. Why? Well, because our kids are supposed to be seeing the greatness of their true father, God, through their earthly fathers. That's you and me, man. When you get home from work, get off your phone. Just get on the ground and do the puzzle with them. I know she's three and she can't do puzzles and it's maddening, but just do it with her, <laughs> all right? Even though you don't even know how to hold the controller, just play the video game with them and laugh when you just lose consistently or go outside and throw the ball around with them or how about you just ask them about their day? If they had a good day, celebrate with them. If they had a bad day, mourn with them. If they screwed up, like challenge them and show patience and coach them. When we get home from work, let's get off our phones. Another example for, for others of us, dude, for some of us, maybe the challenge is simply just to get home from work, period. Go home. Listen, here's the truth. It's a lot to swallow, but it's the truth. When we're old and gray and we're on our deathbeds, here is something that will never happen. Our kids will never come to us and they'll never go, hey, dad, I'm actually thankful now. You know, I'm a little more experienced. I have a little more wisdom. I have a bigger kind of picture of life now. And so I'm actually thankful that you were never at a single one of my games. And I'm actually thankful that you missed family dinner more often than not. I'm thankful that you were emotionally distant. And I'm thankful for that because I now finally realize how important it was that you get that fancy plaque and that gold watch when you retired from your company. They're not going to say that. They're going to resent us. Because again, they were expecting to see the greatness of their true father, God, through their earthly fathers. That's us. And God's legacy is a story of sacrificing himself so that he could have a closer relationship with his children. So what, why do we think you and I get a pass to sacrifice a close relationship with our children to make a name and a career for ourselves? We don't get a pass I've got two daughters, Emery and Chloe. For, for anyone in the room who's a father of daughters, like let's cherish our daughters. Let's protect our daughters from a world that wants to sexualize them and destroy them. Dude, you and me are supposed to be modeling the kind of men that we hope that, that our daughters one day date and maybe even marry. I've got one son, Micah Man. For, for anyone who's a father to boys, like let's show our boys what the strength and courage of God's sons look like. Let's challenge them and let's guide them and let's pick them up when they get knocked down. But then at the same time, like let's choose our moments carefully, but let's let them get knocked down so they can learn from it. And let's protect them from a world that wants to emasculate and silence them. You don't have to do a Bible study to do this stuff. Here's an example of something that I'm trying to do. And I, I do this wrong a lot, but I, I think this is an example of, of one of the things that I'm, I'm doing kind of a good job at with the dad thing, all right? So anytime my son, Micah, is terrible to one of his sisters or, or terrible to his mom, I always handle it the same way. I separate him, I put him in his room, I sit down with him, and then I ask him the same question every time. And now it's at the point where he can answer me. But I, I sit him down and I ask him, I go, Micah, 
dude, what is your job and dad's job? And now he can answer me and he goes, to love and protect mommy and Emery and Chloe. It's like, yes, dude, exactly. You can't do that when you're throwing Hot Wheels at their face, <laughs> whatever it was he did. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not doing a Bible study with Micah. I'm trying to find these moments that I can leverage to point my son to the greatness of God, the greatness of a God who uses his sons to love and protect his daughters. For the fathers in the room, point your people to the greatness of God through your actions, through how you show up. Love your people like Jesus loves your people. But then again, I know some of us are, are sitting here and, and you're thinking to yourself and you're going like, dude, I appreciate everything that you're saying, but you really don't understand my life. Like I can't, I'm too messed up or I've already messed up too much in the past. I didn't have a good dad and so I don't know what I'm doing. If that's you, I'd say, Dude, figure it out. None of us know what we're doing, right? But at the same time, there are a lot of us, and I would put myself in this category. Well, I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm also not flying by the seat of my pants. I'm trying to figure, out, figure this out with other men and other fathers who follow Jesus. Come figure this thing out with us here at your church. And then I would tell you this too. Listen, you can you can break the destructive patterns that you inherited from your father. You can. I'm telling you that like you could be the one to finally put a stop to your family's generational tailspin of addiction and anger and divorce, you name it. Why can I say that so confidently? It's because listen to me. Dude, if that resonates with you, please listen to me. I know that you beat yourself up you say this phrase to yourself when you look in the mirror, you use it to, to beat yourself up. I know that your mom used to say this to you and it used to crush you. I'm telling you, you are not your father. You're not your father. I would say that you're your own man, but you're not even that. If you believe in Jesus, you were purchased with a price. You're not your own man, you are God's man. And the people are waiting for you to lead them. You're not your father. You do not have to carry and pass down the legacy that was handed to you from your dad. Why? Because you are a part of God's family now. He paid a price for you. You are God's man. And you are free now to inherit and carry and pass down the legacy of your true father, God. And so be strong and be courageous because it's God, your father, who's gonna go with you and he's gonna be with you and he's not gonna leave you and he's not gonna forsake you. And so if that's you, dude, maybe what you need to do after this is you need to go to the mirror and you need to look at your face and you need to tell yourself, I am not my father and I'm not my own man. I am God's man and I am duty bound to point my people to God's greatness. How did the leaders of Israel approach legacy building? They didn't point to themselves. They didn't make a name for themselves. They pointed to God and they helped make a name for him. That was their approach. That was their leadership, that's, that's why they're fantastic leaders, the kind of leaders that we're still talking about thousands and thousands of years later. That was their approach. But then, not only did they approach it that way, but remember, they did something unique. They chose these moments where they would memorialize these moments when God's greatness was on great display. Remember those 12 stones, that's what those 12 stones were. They were to serve as a sign for their people a symbol that they could look at their kids and point to and go, you know what that represents? 
Oh, something amazing that God did. I'll have to tell you about it. And we've gotta do the same thing. We've got to find these opportunities to memorialize moments of God's greatness. Next week, Jim's gonna wrap up, up this series here, and we're gonna memorialize what we've been learning in this series. There's gonna be this moment at the end of the sermon where we can sign a commitment to being God's man, and then we're gonna get thin red line bracelets that you wear on your wrist, and that is to serve as a sign for your people. It's a symbol that you're one of God's men. That's what we're gonna do next week, but then today, that's exactly what we're gonna do with baptisms. We are going to memorialize a moment of God's greatness. What is baptism? Baptism is to serve as a sign to your people. It is a symbol. Baptism is our, our way of showing ourselves and God and our church and our people that we are dedicating our heart, soul, mind, and strength to Jesus. Remember the fancy word for dedicating your heart, soul, mind, and strength to Jesus that we just learned. It's consecrate. When you get baptized, you are consecrating yourself. You are dedicating your life to Jesus Christ. Why? Because you expect him to do amazing things in and through you and in and through your families and in and through this church that we get to be a part of. We are expectant for amazing things. Some of you showed up with towels and a change of clothes and you're fully prepared for today, which I, I totally love. But then, but then others of you, you never planned on getting baptized, but I'm telling you, I've see, I see it every single service we do this. In five minutes from now, you're gonna surprise yourself because you're gonna be standing in line for a hot tub why? You're gonna be like, why? Well, here's why. Because just like Joshua said, you have decided to consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord is gonna do amazing things among you. You wanna dedicate your heart, soul, mind, and strength to Jesus because tomorrow and the next day and the next day you are expecting him to do amazing things in your life. Why would you go home soaking wet today? For the same reason Israel stacked 12 stones by the Jordan River, you will go home soaking wet to serve as a sign to your people, your kids and your spouse and your friends and your family to serve as a sign to your people, just like that verse said, so that in the future, when your children ask you, hey dad, why did you go home soaking wet from church that one day? You can respond by telling them about the greatness of God. You can go, that was the day that I laid down the legacy that my dad gave me, and I picked up the legacy that my true father, God, gave me. Listen, in, in the future, when your children ask you, Dad, why did you get in the hot tub that day? You get to tell them the only thing they ever needed to hear from you in the first place. You can tell them, I got baptized because dad is trying. I'm trying to be good to you, and I'm trying to be good to mom. I'm trying to be good to the world around me, and I am leaning on, and I am relying on Jesus to do that in and through me. So listen to me. You are not your father. You are God's son. You are not your own man, all right? You are God's man. You are not a lost cause. You are a story of God's grace that's about to play out. You are not meaningless. You are the leader of your people, and they need you to lead. You were not designed to tap out and live the life that you're living right now. You were designed to point to the greatness of God and expect amazing things to happen. And so everyone stand up, let's worship together, and then come and be baptized. I love you.